following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Okay, I think I'm doing this right. Just have to poke a hole in the ground that I've enriched with compost. <clears throat> Take the plant I started three weeks ago in a window box in the house. Just place it in the hole. I'll give it a bit of water and pat it down. I think I can actually feel it growing. Whoa! Wow, I, I wonder how high above the ground I am. And were those skies ever clear? Zero pollution. Huh. Where am I? Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the sweat of a Dunsfordian. <laughs> oh, hello, giant. Uh, two things. Uh, Silence! I just have to adjust my hearing aid. No need to scream, Earth Dweller. Oh, oh, sorry. It's just that you're so much taller than me. I'm sweating because I've been working on my garden, and uh, I'm not actually from Dunsford, per se, but near it. Oh, uh, Downeyvillian. Mm, no, kind of between those two. Oh, Mimi-ite? Nah, I'm, I'm way north of there. Dalrymple! <laughs> not that far north. So where are you from, then? Uh, just go with Kawartha Lakes. Great place. Great stories. <laughs> Wait. Now I recognize your voice. You host the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. I love that show. Oh, thanks, Giant. Do you listen via Spotify or, or, or iTunes? Oh, oh, hang on. I bet you choose the Podbean platform. Get it? Podbean? Anyway, I got to get back uh, to host the next episode. Do you have an elevator or maybe an escalator around here, maybe? This will be quicker. I'll just shove you lightly with this two-meter stick. Wait, wait, ow. Whoa, wait, wait, what? Ah, ah, ah! Sure, we offer some levity. We can even be silly from time to time. But we can also be down-to-earth. Come on, I couldn't resist. Welcome to the program. My name is Denny Grignot, your host for the next half hour or so. When we'll get some earthly tips from the advocate's very own Sylvia Keysmat on how to plant stuff outside this time. A few weeks ago, you'll remember, we told you how to start plants inside. I met with Ryan O'Neill, part of the team at Ward's Lawyers. The lawyer shed some light on the impact all of this, and you know what I'm referring to, pandemic is having on child custody. We check in with Lindsay Bowen at Kawartha Lakes Public Library for another installment of Well Defined. And we meet two young women originally from Kawartha Lakes, but might just one day end up in Queen's Park because of their involvement in and passion for Ontario Youth Parliament. This is the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. In episode seven of the program, which you can still hear, by the way, thanks to our sponsors, Ward's Lawyers, Angelique and Erwin told us how their home hair care went. Angelique taking Erwin's work on coloring her hair in support of Stride. But I'm guessing they're both, like all of us, looking forward to the day when they can turn that task over to the pros again. And uh, those pros are eager to get back at it too. Not just the gig or the job, but reacquainting themselves with clients, many of whom are more than just customers. Kim Murphy is a stylist with In Style Salon in Bob Cajun. I met with her, not at the salon, of course, because it remains closed like all salons in Ontario, but in her driveway in Bob Cajun. Yes, we were more than two meters apart. I first asked her, in her professional opinion, hey, how's my hair? Well, 
Her hair's a little long and shaggy, but. <laughs> okay, that's kind of um, a roundabout way of saying I need a, I need a cut. It, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's it like for you to be, you know, seeing, you know, people even doing curbside and yet you're still being held off? What's it like for you to deal with that? Yeah, it's kind of, I'm used to being around people all day long. So I think I call my mom like five times a day for someone to talk to. <laughs> Who is also a former hairstylist yes, as well. So can you commiserate with her a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, because actually if I don't call her, she calls me. I feel the lack of human interaction a little bit being, I interact with people every day. And even when you go to the store to pick something up, you don't get much human interaction because nobody wants to stand and chat. Your job really is about much more than just grooming and coloring hair and, and yeah. trimming right tell me a little bit about that and what how that's lacking it is well you, we build like a well especially the store I'm at where we do a lot of appointments you build a relationship with your customers um, I have ladies there that are there once a week some that are there two twice a week and you know they kind of vent their problems to you you're a bit of a psychologist while you're there um, what's that like for you when you're in the in, in the thick of it now that you're looking back I just wonder in hindsight what that's like for you to, to look at that relationship. I'm surprised I can handle it so well. <laughs> I don't know. I A lot of my customers say they just they like to confide in me with things. I must have a pretty easygoing personality then. I miss it a bit. You kind of become friends. I actually have some of my customers on Facebook. They have my cell phone number and we've been chatting. And But you miss their friendship. What kind of things have they been telling you? How bad their hair is. <laughs> a couple of them have grandkids that are quite young that I see and they're just telling me how they're doing and um you really do have a connection with these people in their lives I guess right yeah, yeah. I see them very often yeah I probably know what I'm doing with their hair before they even come through the door <laughs> this isn't going to last forever no obviously so what's it like for you right now just champing at the bit to to get well, back in I'm dreading the um restrictions they're going to give us we have a feeling that we're going to have to wear masks which your face sweats like crazy when you have to wear one of those so that's going to be uncomfortable i don't know if all three of us are going to be able to work in the salon at once for being able to space out and we're not going to be able to book clients the way we used to so we're not going to be able to fit the same amount of um, clientele in in a day so i'd have to sit for half an hour while a color processes instead of doing a haircut because we won't be able to have that many people in the store at once. Are you expecting an onslaught of... Uh, yes. Yeah. There's going yeah. to be some very unhappy people because we're not going to be able to get them in right then and there. What do you miss most about the job? I miss doing the hair. I really enjoy doing hair. Um, and I miss being able to get creative and get my hands in the hair color and doing that and chatting and having someone walk out of there and loving what they look like. Yeah. When you can tell they're happy with you know their hair they come in thinking oh i feel so dowdy and my hair looks awful and then they leave the brightness on their face how important is that in, in your regular life especially now that it's not there i think that's the most important part of my job so it's it's kind of weird not to have that every day all right just gotta Get the hair out of my eyes. You're listening to The Advocate Podcast. If you want to know why you're able to download this episode and all our previous episodes for free, well, it's thanks to our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay. Jason and Carissa Ward and their team offer a wide range of legal services. Learn more at wardlegal.ca. 
Download. Now, there's a word people over 50, like myself, probably never used in their youth, right? I didn't. Our language, our words, they evolve, of course, but some words have been around for eons. These words that have been around for eons, some of them, we really just haven't heard them before. That's why we call this regular feature... Well-defined. 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 What does that mean, anyway? Well-defined. According to the dictionary... Lindsay Bowen is with Outreach and Community Engagement with Kawartha Lakes Public Library. She's got a new word for us. But first, Lindsay, how is the library adapting these days? We've got a few fun things going on. Uh, we have since started a quarantine book club since our last chat. So we know people are missing their book clubs, whether it's self-run or through the library. Um, so we've started one via Zoom. Um, so we just get to meet once a week and chat about uh, the books that we've been reading during this quarantine period. Um, it's free to sign up. We don't need to get a library card or anything. So if people are interested, they can go to our website, kawarthalakeslibrary.ca slash home for coronavirus. And uh, the one that I'm really excited about is we are starting a pickup service, hopefully by the beginning of June. Uh, so right now that's just going to be in Lindsay and Fenland Falls. Um, but we're looking forward to uh, seeing people and... Um, refreshing their book supply too. Sounds like everyone's adapting quite nicely. Okay, so what is our entry for well-defined for this episode? We've been working very hard to get the pickup service up and running. And I've been thinking a lot about the local businesses that are in the same boat. Um, we've had to be very scrupulous in our reopening plans. Uh, so in other words, we've had to be very diligent and thorough and detail-oriented uh, just to make sure that we're ensuring the safety of our staff and patrons. And the word is scrupulous? scrupulous okay yes. that's interesting so because means... i often use the word unscrupulous but i i'll be honest i didn't know the word scrupulous even existed did you <laughs> no i didn't that's what a good uh, good research does i guess you find lots of new words all right scrupulous our entry for well-defined for this episode thanks Lindsay. thank you you are listening to the advocate podcast stories from kawartha lakes any parent who is sharing custody of a child with an ex-spouse will tell you that even in the most cordial of times, it can be a stressful, taxing, back-and-forth exercise. But these are, of course, unique times we're living in, with the literal back-and-forth between households strongly discouraged. So how does this, how should this now play out for that child who's normally living in two different places with two different parents? Can the rules be adapted for exceptional circumstances? Ryan O'Neill is with the law firm of Ward's Lawyers. He specializes in family law. I met with Ryan inside the Ward's office's boardroom on Kent Street. In this time, there is a greater need for flexibility. Uh, are, I have, you, are you seeing that, that flexibility being exercised? I have. I have. It is more difficult to get to court. The courts are closed uh, or suspended. Uh, in terms of their normal operations. There is uh, the ability to access the court in urgent situations. Uh, however, there's numerous cases out very recently which require the parties to, frankly, act more cooperatively now than previously because of the uniqueness of this situation. I think for uh, first-line responders, the, the issue is even more germane. What the courts are directing us to do is, is to ensure that the parties adhere to all provincial protocols with respect to um, isolating and insulating 
themselves as much as possible from the pandemic. However, the courts have also opined that parenting is considered to be an essential service. And the presumption is to default to what was the existing order and allow it to be tailored to the unique situation. Wonderful quote that's been cited repeatedly comes from Justice Pavaratz. It says, in troubling and disorienting times, children need the love, guidance, and emotional support of both parents now more than ever. That's the perfect world, certainly. But you, you mentioned first responders. What of that? Let's think of a situation where there's a first responder who's working maybe more than they normally are, and the other parent maybe is able to work at home. How can that play out where one parent says, look, you're already at home. Why don't you take care of the of child X, B, and C while I'm out there responding? Or will the law still say, well, I recognize that you're a first responder, but you still have the responsibility to uh, be with that child 50 or 60% of the time? No, great question, Denny. Um, no, what the courts are saying is we recognize that unique situations require unique uh, solutions. What's important for people to bear in mind is they have to remember that they will not be prejudiced from any time-sharing arrangement that's entered into during this time. So quite often in family law you will hear the concept of status quo, i.e. the court is loath to upset an established status quo when it comes to children. Therefore, parents at times are reluctant to give the other parent additional time, fearing that they may never get that time back. The courts have definitively come down and said, we're not going to penalize anyone during the pandemic if they do not have the children in their care as much as they would have had pre-pandemic. And if the circumstances don't allow them to have that child with them as much as they normally Correct. Are. Correct, Amy. Furthermore, what the, what the courts have said is what we will be looking at post-pandemic is the reasonableness of the parents, the reasonableness of the positions put forward by the parents. Uh, they're looking at the parents not taking advantage of this situation in attempting to upset or establish a new status quo. Well, I wondered if, if uh, and I don't want to trivialize this entire situation, but is there a possibility that the parent, that parent, that that parent who has the kids more often now could cash those in as almost coupons and say, look, you know, I had them 80% of the time during the pandemic. I'd, I'd, I'd like a bit of a break now, so why don't you take them more now? Is that even a, I know you don't have a, a crystal ball when it comes to child custody, but is that something that's even discussed right now amongst the courts and lawyers? Yes, yes, it is, it is. And um, again, it's the best interest of the children that always dictate. If a parent is not available to care for the child because of this pandemic, uh, the courts are not going to chastise anyone that um, loses time or gives up time, so to speak, during this time period. What this really comes down to is this is an atypical situation. Let's get through it and then we'll get back to normal, really. Absolutely, Danny.
That is not question period in Ottawa or Queen's Park in Toronto, though the desk banging does conjure images of emotional elected officials. It's actually a clip from this year's sitting of Ontario Youth Parliament held in Kitchener. OIP, as its members refer to it, is a non-profit, non-partisan organization run almost entirely by youth with some support from adult mentors. It's where about 100 young people discuss, debate and hammer out legislation in a mock government. They even elect a cabinet, which includes, you know, the traditional portfolios like communications and legislation, but also a ministry of love. It's a very welcoming, embracing and safe environment for self-reflection and personal discovery for Ontario youth aged 14 to 21. It's where these young people become young adults in many ways. Lauren Drew and Tess Morass now attend Trent and Carleton Universities respectively, but they both grew up in Lindsay. I spoke to them in Kitchener following OIP's last sitting, and, and I asked them how far they felt at that moment. How far did they feel from their elementary school days back home? Very far away from it. I think, like, probably the most far you could get. Honestly, not that far. I literally talked about St. Dominic's today in the debate. Uh, so kind of every experience you have informs what you come to OIP with. For the outsider like myself, this feels, and I'm going to choose my words here delicately, it, there are moments when it feels a, a kind of like make-believe. You're nodding already, so how do you turn that off and go, no, this we got to treat this real? That's a really good question. Um, I think you have so much adrenaline going through you throughout the weekend. It's so high energy and, uh, you know, you lack sleep a lot, which is fine. Um, it kind of already is make-believe, but in the most real way possible in that you're loving it, you're learning, you're connecting with people, um, and you're expressing what you think, and that's really an important venue for young people to have? Um, I think for me it's a lot about like that aspect in like the love and the socializing aspect is like why I really enjoy Parliament. So that's the part that's real to me. Those friendships, the people you know and meet and the connections you make are what keep me grounded and know that things that we're talking about are actually impacting everyone even though they're in a make-believe sort of nature. But then knowing that the people that are speaking on the bills are passionate about what they're talking about and what they're saying is important to them. You're now a veteran of this, Lauren. Can you take me back to a moment when something really stood out and you went, wow, this is this is more than just playtime. This this feels real. It's something that really sticks with you. Well, I yeah, it's my sixth parliament, and this is actually uh, the city and the church where I had my first parliament uh, back when I was about 14 or 15. So I remember that parliament, I didn't speak at all. Um, I didn't say anything in the house whatsoever. And actually last year, I ended up being the leader of the house. Um, so I was leading the debate, I was speaking all the time, and I think that's really when it felt most, um, most crazy. How do you connect those two dots from that, you know, that girl at that time yeah. who was quiet to this young woman whom I saw today and you, you seem to, you seem pretty comfortable up there. You were commanding the room. Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, that's the power of OIP in a lot of ways. Um, I see myself now being, you know, kind of the old one um, and talking to a lot of those really shy kids that are coming in for the first time because for me it was people encouraging me, people valuing what I thought and people telling me that it was worthwhile for me to speak. That really got me up there um, and then I really thrived in that so I want that to happen for a lot of the other kids who are shy and not saying anything right now because they have a lot of valuable stuff to say. I'm a really extroverted person I love to be out and about um, and Parliament really like allows that to happen and a couple years back I was a party whip and that was one of the times where I realized like what I was doing had an impact on people and I was able to show people that it's okay to step outside your comfort zone and be loud and rowdy every once in a while because that's what OIP breeds sometimes and 
not to say that the shy people aren't here, but sometimes we can kind of persuade the shy people to maybe interact more and come out of their shell. So I think that's when it came more real, like when those real life skills are being produced in Parliament. This is clearly important to the two of you. How do you make this important to the, the voting public of Ontario like myself? How do you make them realize, make us, make me realize that, hey, this is, this is important, not just for you, but for us, for all of us? Well, we're the future voting public. A lot of us actually are already voting. Um, so we're coming for the, the demographic switch. We're coming for your elected seats. We'll be running for office. I know a lot of people who already have. You're uh, coming after us. Yeah, so we're going to be taking up those seats in the House, um, and we're going to be determining who gets them. My name is Linda Williams from Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate podcast, Stories from Cortha Lakes. If you'd like to find out more about Ontario Youth Parliament and how to join, again, a very non-judgmental, warm environment, visit oip.on.ca. Thanks for being with us for the Advocate podcast. We've all struggled on some level with being sequestered in our homes these past few months. Imagine, though, what it must be like to not have an actual home. Pre-pandemic, a place called home provided shelter for 19 individuals in need of housing, but now that number is almost double for the charity. Lori Polito is executive director of APCH. She joins me on the line now. Lori, why the increase in numbers? Easy question to answer. In our mind, nobody's first choice should be a homeless shelter. So when they call, we ask dozens of questions about uh, where did you sleep last night? Do you think you could stay there again tonight? Okay, so if we made you up a food box and you took that to your friend's would that buy you another couple of days because you're contributing to the household? You had like more that. options then, obviously. I guess yeah. that's what you're getting at. Yeah, surfing, staying with family, staying with friends. Can't mm. do that now, period. So we talked to the city and said, this is, this is happening and it's going to happen quickly. We always have a few people in the motel, but it was going way over our ability to cover those costs. Everything happens so fast. They, yeah. I don't think we realized how quickly this was going to happen, but... And so we're just learning on the go and, and coming up with best practices on the go and changing those as we need to. And the city has been able to access funds that are downloaded from the feds and also from the province to help us pay for those rooms. Right now we're okay, but it is a lot of work. We also take all the meals out to the people in the, the uh, motel. We as an agency are applying for every subsidy that is available out there for nonprofits. We know we can get to October and there's no sign that there won't be more money for us, but nobody knows that at this point. I don't think anybody knows anything beyond a month or two, really. So it's hard work. We're, we're managing with the money, but we have so many more people to look after than we ever had before under different circumstances. To adopt a term that is now part of our lexicon, are you seeing a, a flattening of the curve of, of clients who are coming in? Has that leveled off for you? Um, it's probably, yes, I would say it has. The number of people that are coming that put our numbers so high, that is definitely flattening. So what can the community do right now, Laurie? How can, uh, I know you, you, it sounds like you're okay until October or so, but certainly there's, yeah. there's always a need. We need canned goods. We need canned pasta and all the things that we wouldn't normally get, microwave craft dinner, uh, because 
people in the motel only have a microwave and a small fridge. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at things that help fill people up but can be um, cooked or, or heated at the motel. Right now, when there isn't anything extra, it's, it's cause for concern. It's a stressful time, no doubt. Thanks for talking to me, Lori. And, uh, no problem. And best of luck. We'll, uh, we'll get Thank the word out. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us. The Advocate is 100% local, independent media. And you are listening to The Advocate Podcast, Episode 8. Jeez, <sighs> was it hot enough for you this past week? Perfect time to plant that garden outside, eh? Okay, so what was my excuse then? Well, I'm new to this, so I first had to consult Sylvia Keysmat. Sylvia is a regular contributor to The Advocate magazine. She specializes in environmental issues, but she also runs Russet House Farm near Cameron. That's where she raises heirloom tomatoes and also passes on advice to newbies like moi. The first thing you need to know is that you have raised your plants in a very sheltered environment because you've had them inside, you've had them on your windowsill maybe. So they haven't been exposed to wind and they haven't been exposed to direct sunlight. So you need to get them used to direct sunlight and to wind. One thing you can actually do before you even start putting them outside is gently brush the tops of your plants a couple you times a day. With my hand? Or? With your hand, yeah. Just kind of stroke them like you're like you're petting a dog. Or You know how somebody has a cool brush cut haircut and you want to run your hands over the top of it? No, but you, go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, some of us have that urge. Um, you want to just run your hands over the tops of your plants and that simulates the wind. Really? So what it does is it strengthens the stems they won't get as spindly uh and they won't grow as tall because they're putting some energy into staying strong okay i have to ask this sylvia is that just an old folkloric tale or, or is there some science based on that no there's science based to that really? it's it's the whole well it's it's like it's like muscle training right you need some resistance to have some muscle so that you you yourself can stand up to wind say outside um plants you're you're building up some some resistance in that plant to the wind so it'll be able to stand up to the pressure of, wow. of wind. So so then when you start putting them outside, you might put the plants outside on a not too windy day, the first day, with um, in the sun for an hour and then maybe in the shade for two hours. The, the conditions we have today, is this ideal? We've had some shade, we've had some sun, Just there's just a light wind now. Yeah. Is this what you would consider ideal conditions? This would be perfect. Yeah, this would be perfect. Though my tomatoes I haven't put out because the wind was quite substantial earlier and I thought it might be too much for them. What happens so. if there's too much wind? If there's too much wind, the plant could, could kind of bend. Oh. Uh, or it could even snap, but more likely you'll just stress the plant. And then once it gets stressed, it's just not going to grow. It's just going to kind of hunger down a bit and think, this is a hostile environment. I'm just not going to grow for a bit. Well, how long do they have to be in the ground outside before they can withstand that kind of wind? Because that's going to happen eventually. Oh, well, so you, you want to get them used to it by just putting them in their pots outside for an hour or two, like an hour in the sun, two in the shade. So they get some wind, then back inside. Then the next day you take them out for two two hours again and maybe, uh, you know, four hours in the shade so they get a little more wind and then put them back inside. This is about acclimating them to the to You're the acclimating yeah. them, yeah. And then, you know, the next day four hours in the sun and maybe all day, the rest of a day in the shade. And then they're, they're more used to the wind and cooler temperatures too, right? You're getting them used to cooler temperatures. So after about four days, you've kind of doubled their time outside every day, doubled their time in the sun, uh, they should be in good 
good shape for staying outside the whole day. What happens when I take them from their perfect environment in which they've had perfect soil and put them in Mother Earth? Your garden. Your yeah, garden. my garden. They'll be overjoyed. <laughs> really? Well, I mean, it depends what your soil is like. And different plants like different things, right? So a tomato likes a nice fertile soil. So I add some well-composted manure to my soil. Um, for the tomatoes, I add two teaspoons of Epsom salts because that uh, the magnesium is really good for the plant. That helps calcium be absorbed by the plant. Just sprinkle it over the soil? Um, I, I mix it in the soil at the bottom of the planting hole. Um, some people spray the plants with the Epsom salt mixture, so um, that's very good for them. But a good, a good well-rounded manure or compost in the planting hole for tomatoes, they'll be really happy. Um, if you're transplanting, say, cucumbers, they, they like something really rich. So if you have some strawy manure still, something not quite composted, the com cucumbers would love that. Peppers, on the other hand, um, peppers are perennials in their native habitat. And so if they're in really fertile soil, all they can think is, I'm going to be able to live here forever. I never need to reproduce. So you'll get a nice bushy plant, same with beans, uh, but you won't get much fruit. So you want peppers to feel slightly stressed. Not, I mean, it should be good soil, but it shouldn't be outrageously wonderful soil for peppers. You don't want too much nitrogen in the soil. I'm just grappling with the notion that I have to take my plants in and out like a dog <laughs> and acclimate them. Is that the bulk of the work? Or once they're in the ground, can I kind of step back a little bit? Or how much nurturing is there until, he, until well, it bears fruit or vegetables? Well, it depends. Uh, it depends a lot on the weather, quite frankly. So you're going to want to, um, when you put them in the ground, I tend to mulch everything except my peppers uh, pretty well with straw or leaves or grass or even newspapers. And that holds moisture into the soil and helps keep the weeds down. There are still going to be weeds, so you're going to have to do some weeding, especially when they're little, to make sure that they're not in competition from grass or lamb's quarters you'll have around here. And being or, choked out. Yeah, you don't want them choked out. And it's better to water your plants deeply once a week than to give a lot of shallow waterings throughout the week. Now, there is a difference, too. When they're in the house, I can regulate how much water they're getting. Yes. But when they're outdoors, I mean, what happens if I have a deluge uh, two days mm -hmm. after I'm planting? They can handle this? Yeah, well, the ground is just going to drain away, right? The ground okay. will absorb it, unless you've planted them, like, in a shallow basin. I mean, I do, I do put my plants in a slightly concave bowl shape, um, just so when it does rain or when I do water, the, the water is directed to the roots. But in the ground, there's endless capacity for water to be absorbed or to run off. I see you in full production here with your team behind you. What's this time of year like for you when, when everything is just starting? There's the excitement tied in with the sheer exhaustion when you lie down at night and all these muscles that disappeared in the winter are aching and aching. So those those two things, I think, go together at this time of year. So what keeps you going from year in, year out when you're doing this? <laughs> um, well, that's a really good question. Um, what keeps me going? Uh, I teach a lot of this to younger people. We have younger people on the farm for the summer. So, and I'm a, I'm a teacher to the core of my being. So, you know, my other part of my life, I teach at the university. But so I love showing people how to grow. The other thing is there's an incredible sense of wonder. I mean, you put a seed in the ground and all you do is add water and there's sunlight and soil. And suddenly you get this beautiful edible onion or pepper or tomato and 
It's like a miracle. It's it's like it's kind of like living the resurrection every year again, right? And that's just a wonderful way to a wonderful rhythm for life. So how did we do for episode eight giant? <laughs> I enjoyed it immensely. I'm going to heed Sylvia's advice and get to work on my garden. Great. Hey, does that chicken lay... Giant golden eggs? Yes. I keep several hens in my backyard. Oh, you know what? you got to read Heather Lamb's column in the Lindsay Advocate online. It's all about backyard chickens in Kawartha Lakes. Thanks for the tip. I'll go to lindsayadvocate.ca. We have great internet up here. Don't rub it in, giant. You can pick up a copy of the print edition of The Advocate all over our community, including Kent Place Mall in downtown Lindsay and the Shop and Save Discount Store in Kinmount. The Advocate podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, is made possible because of our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers of Lindsay. For all your legal needs, visit them at wardlegal.ca. Theme music is written and performed by Gerald Van Halteren. The Advocate podcast is hosted and produced by me, Denis Grignon. You can contact us via our website and Facebook page. We welcome your feedback and opinions, the constructive kind. Get outside, stay safe. You can do both, and it's temporary. Remember that. Talk to you in about two weeks. Mm-hmm.